You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. <laughs> Wanda's father sold DVDs as a trade and even had a Malcolm in the Middle box set in there. That's pretty damn impressive since uh, he was killed by a bomb in 1999 and the show didn't start airing until 2000. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week we are going to do a dive into the characters of Monica Rambeau. Photon, Captain Marvel, and Spectrum, all three names of hers, <laughs> and a little bit of uh, pre-101 for what is White Vision. So, if you've watched uh, the newest episode of WandaVision, then you're right there with us. But first, as always, Chris, we're going to get right into that spinner rack. Yep, so it's the brand new month of March. Uh, may it bring many good tidings of comics to us. And that will all begin on the second Tuesday from DC Comics. So if you head to your local comic shop, uh, you should be able to start seeing the uh, Infinite Frontier Adventures of Batman starting in issue 106. So they have the uh, regular cover, which is very nice. But then they've got the new extended Bat Family cover variant uh, by Jorge Jimenez. Uh, I would recommend picking that one up if you can. It definitely shows a lot of, uh, of, of the new costume tweaks that we're going to see. Now, something else I find, I don't know, I guess maybe it's me. I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brain on this, Mitch. How do you feel about Harley Quinn being a member of the Bat family? I mean, it only seems like the natural evolution of the character as they've made her more of an anti-hero instead of a villain. Um, why, I mean, I don't know if I agree with certain stories where they have Batman and Harley Quinn become a couple, but her being on the team makes, I mean, a little bit of sense to me. I don't, I'd rather her, her be her own thing, but if Batman can use Catwoman in the same way, then sure. Put, put Harley Quinn on the team. She's extremely intelligent, obviously knows how to, Take, uh, hold her own in a fight May, maybe gives you a little bit more insight into the Joker if you need it alright I mean I, they're good <laughs> points they're good points I guess I just I don't know to me it's like she's way too vested in the whole Joker scenario plus I mean I don't know like I'm guessing you know like obviously when James Tinian wrote Joker War there is a lot of good emphasis to show that Harley is trying her best and, you know, obviously that's the whole point of all this stuff is redemption and this and that. So I guess I guess I would have rather seen it come from the comic side of instead of like, hey, we're going to make a Birds of Prey movie. No, 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 no. Let's call it Harley Quinn. OK, you know, like, hey, we're going to make a DC universe. No, 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 no. Let's call it Harley Quinn. So it's like, <laughs> yes, I get it. She's exciting. She's blowing up. She's played by a well-renowned actress. But uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things where like and I get it, you know, like comics are absorbive 
and then they also you know spread out as well so there there is a nice feature to that so i guess it's just me i just got to get used to it but i'm like really you know but then again you know clayface was a part of it i think uh detective comics when the rebirth error started and wasn't that james tinian also who wrote that yep yep you're absolutely right ah, that's right tinian i'm on to you yeah See, he's like, gonna make his own uh <laughs> yeah it's like it's like batman comics is kind of becoming like x-men comics where everybody's not a villain like we're all mutants if you want to be on the good side this time you can if you want to fight against us next time that's okay too Yep. Yep. Exactly. So that's what that's what Tinian's gonna do. He's just gonna reform the villains one at a time. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Moving along, um, the crime syndicate is here. Andy Schmidt and Kieran McCallan and Brian Hitch will all be teaming up to bring us a new version of the crime syndicate. Um, they're definitely multiversal. Um, they do homage the fact that they come from Earth three. Uh, but there are going to be some tweaks and differences, so it could be very interesting to see what's going on. Who do we have on that cover? Um, well, you've got Ultraman, Owlman, Superwoman, and I'm not too sure about the other three. I would guess it's Atomica, just because that was the code name they gave her during the uh, Forever Evil New 52 version. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I would think be their the version fellow- of Adam, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Completely, like, not related to Ray Palmer, but do sharing the uh, uh, powers ability. Um, I think the topless guy, I think that's supposed to be their Flash. I don't think he's going to go by Johnny Quick anymore, but I don't know. Um, and then their their power ring, their Green Lantern, uh, is definitely going to homage to on um, Stewart. And I think he gave himself a different name. I think he calls himself the Emerald Knight, if I remember correctly. Let's see if I can get some insights here. Um, no, they did not list it. But uh, this will be a six-issue miniseries. Um, and then they will have backup stories. So we are going to get a- another new origin of Ultraman. <laughs> uh, so they'll definitely probably be giving us... You know, with the six issues, they'll give us that. Uh, I do like their timing, though, on DC's part, because right now the Squadron Supreme is doing pretty well at the uh, at Marvel. So I've always loved the fact that in both universes, they have their own evil-esque versions of the JLA. So I would love one of these days to just see that big throwdown. Ultraman against Hyperion, Owlman against uh, uh, Nighthawk, and, and all of them. So I think that would be great. So, yeah, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, six-issue miniseries starting here. Definitely check it out. Uh, The Dreaming. Do you you prefer uh, Ultraman that looks like Superman or Ultraman that's blonde with a crew cut? I personally, I like him that that he looks like Superman. Because I always love those images like when you see him flying in. And it's like, oh, it's Superman, but then like the light shines, and you're like, oh god, it's the Ultraman symbol, you know? Like, I just love that. That it's it, he, he definitely like if Superman re- represents hope, Ultraman represents false hope. You know, it gives you that moment where your your heart feels happy, and then here comes the dread. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's see. Moving along. Dreaming Waking Hours issue eight will be out. So definitely, if you like to explore that wild part of the DC universe, uh, check that out by G. Willow Wilson. Um, Infinite Frontier issue zero is here. This is it. 
This is the DC universe going forward. Um, there will be some changes. There will be some thoughts. There probably will be some anger. <laughs> uh, I'm taking a sneak peek at it. It's definitely so. The way to look at this book is it's just going to be like how it always is. When they did DC Universe Zero uh, for us to get ready for Blackest Night. Uh, when they did uh, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. You know, which set up the whole infinite crisis. So this is going to be the little sneak peek pages. Uh, so that way you could, you know, wet your beak and see, okay, where do I want to continue on? So this will help shape the next directions for all of the DC universe. Uh, Wonder Woman fans definitely pick this up because Wonder Woman is getting bigger than the DC universe. So we'll definitely see what's going to go on there. Um, let's see. Man Bat issue two will be out. The sensational Wonder Woman number one will be out. And this will collect her digital first adventures in a brand new comic book series. Suicide Squad volume six number one will be out. Uh, it's time to reintroduce the Peacemaker. He will be part of the movie team. So this will definitely be the book that looks to uh, go with that type of flow. Uh, but we will have some interesting characters. Yes. Did they... Did they cancel the last Suicide Squad book? Like we're on to volume six now. Yes. So I don't. I don't say they necessarily canceled it. Um, like Tom Taylor, Tom Taylor, and Bruno Redondo were actually the creative on that one, and that book was getting a lot of uh, great press. Like yeah. a lot of people were responding to it very nicely. Um, it's just it's the nature of the beast. You know, we we have a Suicide Squad movie coming out. Um, Taylor and Redondo's team, you only had Harley Quinn and Deadshot. So we need to get something that looks more in tune with what we're going to show on the movie. Uh, so I don't know if you can see on my screen on the cover, we definitely see Bolt and, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Peacemaker. They're going to be there. So uh, this is definitely going to go more in line with probably what's going to happen to the movie. Uh, because as we've talked about before, we've glossed over it like Peacemaker he has a whole like 12 appearances, you know? So it's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're going to see what happens. Uh, this one might tickle your fancy though, because it's going to be definitely more, it's the government's top secret task force of killers, thieves, and criminals. So these are going to be more assassins. So Amanda Waller's back in charge. Um, she's going to send the squad to go recruit Talon from the court of owls. Oh, wow. And, they're also going to be recruiting Superboy. That's right. Connor Kent. Wait, what? Going to get his hands dirty? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is he in jail somewhere? I have no clue. Maybe he's the hero who comes to respond. Or I, I have no clue why he's going to be part of the Suicide Squad. Um, I know there's probably some clues in the... Uh, Suicide Squad future state issues because if I remember correctly, I think he played a part there. Mm. So now we could learn to see why uh, why old Connell is Breaking Bad. So we'll have to see. <laughs> uh, Swamp Thing will get a relaunch, so issue number one will be out. Uh, Ram V has done again same thing. He did an amazing job in the future state books. A lot of people really liked it. So he's going to continue on with the infinite frontier adventures of Swamp Thing. Now, don't ask me if it's a man thinking it's a swamp or it's a swamp thinking it's a man. Maybe it's a comic thinking it's a swamp thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to pick it up and try it out. But I did hear good things about his future state run. Um, 
let's see what else we've got. So for the collected editions, uh, Nightwing, the Joker War hardcover will be out. This will collect the uh, last couple of issues of the current volume that crossed over to the Joker War. So if you found yourself not enjoying the adventures of Rick Grayson and you miss good old Dick Grayson, then definitely pick this book up because this will highlight Rick's transformation into the returning Dick Grayson, and then eventually the return of Nightwing proper. This next book that I'm going to talk about is a huge one. I love it. I think, Mitch, I think you've read this one too. Superman and Batman Generations. This, honestly, I remember going to Diane's store fan quest over here in Yuma, Arizona, and I think it was like one of those, like she had one of those buy one, get one freeze or something like that. And luckily she had all four parts to the first generations. I was like, Hey, cool. It's a number one. It's Superman. It's Batman. And I've got the whole story. Yay. And I bought it. And this was like superhero soap opera. I mean, like talk about just everything. I mean, we get to see Batman, age in real time start a family superman age in real time start a family with lois um the 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 children of superman the fact that one of them has powers and the other doesn't um the seduction of lex luther i mean just all this was crazy and it was a beautiful story and it tied together um i was just enamored with it and plus it was really exciting to learn later on that this tied into a Batman Captain America one shot that John Byrne had done as well. So this omnibus will do you the favor of collecting all three series, uh, Superman, Batman generations one, two, and three, uh, Superman, Batman generations one and two made a, well, uh, one made a 10 year jump. So it started in like, Oh gosh, what was that? I think it was 1939 and then it would go 49, 59, 69 and so on. Um, when they did the sequel generations two, they made 11 year jumps and they did feature more of wonder woman and the JSA. Um, because in that one, I love the fact that now the teen Titans were more like JSA junior. So I was like, Oh, that's pretty sweet. And then when they did generations volume three, uh, that one got crazy because that one became a 12 issue series. Uh, and it dealt with the multiverse and dark side. So some crazy stuff there, but well worth it. Um, I have all the issues. I'm not going to lie. I think I might try to pick up this omnibus <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, I have all the issues of that too. And I, I, I do remember loving it. And I, re- I, I remember really enjoying that last issue of, of the third year where it's the first Superman Batman story. And then the last Superman Batman story. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Batman dressed, yeah. dresses himself up. Or I'm sorry. Young Bruce Wayne before his parents are killed, I I believe, is in Smallville for a uh a, a, a circus probably. Probably like the Haley Circus and and he dresses up like Robin. Is that not correct? Well, okay, so you're close. So the Wayne Foundation is doing a young writers competition. Oh. So that's what attracts Clark Kent and a young Lois Lane. Yep. And Clark Kent at this point is still Superboy. And so a young uh, Bruce Wayne wants to get in on the action. And um, he also puts himself in a costume. Now, I can't remember if he went straight to Robin or if he did the Flying Fox. Because I do remember that being a part of it, too. I could have sworn I remember being Robin. But, I mean, it's been a while since I read those issues. <laughs> yeah. but, but then you had the the the, the what gray-haired Superman and... Uh, 
uh, Bruce Wayne in a spaceship and they're flying in outer space and Bruce is talking about, yeah, you know, I had to use the Lazarus pit again. And Bruce and and uh, Clark is talking about, yeah. The older I get, it, it's almost like uh, I I age even slower, almost to the point where I might be aging backwards. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but that was just a an amazing series. I loved it. Um, you know, again, another book that sparked why we do what we do right here. Like, just amazing stuff. So definitely do yourself a favor, pick it up. Uh, now, this is one I, I hope you can see it on my screen. So uh, DC's been doing a lot of these little digest editions of their animated series. So they have one called Superman Adventures, Lex Luthor, Man of Metropolis. And I love this one because we see, <laughs> you asked about, the, would you rather a dark-haired version or a blonde-haired version of an evil Superman? Uh, this one throws another one at us. How about a white-haired version of Superman? So this one's complete opposites. Where it's red, it's blue. Where it's blue, it's red. And, you know, the opposite of black hair would be white hair. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely pick these up. They are fun. The animated series comic book tie-ins were wonderful. I, I have a, a special place in my heart for them. So I would definitely share those with you. All right. So that will all be Tuesday from DC Comics. Now, if you come back to the LCS on Wednesday the 3rd, um, let's see what we've got. From Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man issue 58 getting a second printing variant. Um, America Chavez will be back. Made in the USA number one will be her brand new series. Um, you know, I, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about her character. So with this like either ongoing series or mini series happening, uh, that's definitely probably going to lend itself very nicely to her eventually uh, being featured in either animation or television. So we'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah, I know that there was talks, and I don't remember which show it was, but uh, someone, uh, some actress being hired or cast. Obviously, they didn't give out they didn't give out her name, but uh, a lot of speculation was that she was being hired to play America Chavez. Which I could definitely see as bringing her into the MCU and uh, helping round out the Young Avengers uh, that is most likely going to be getting made here soon. Yeah, definitely, because she uh, she was probably I I don't know how to call consider their iterations of the team, but I could say at least. I think in the volume three book, she did play a part there. So yeah, definitely be another uh, sneak attack from the young Avengers. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see if you like mechs and you want to see the Avengers just break stuff. Definitely pick up, pick up Avengers mech strike number two to see uh, your favorite superheroes, pilot giant mechs of themselves (laughs) fighting giant monsters. (laughs) Okay. Like I'm usually Uh, here for all the comic books and stuff, but like, this just seems ridiculous. Like, no one needs to see the Hulk inside of a Hulk mech. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, this is... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see some toys coming out of Hasbro here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's see. All right. Uh, Avengers issue 43 will be out. Uh, this continues the Enter the Phoenix. So as the Avengers try to hold off the Phoenix Force and try to figure out who the uh, new Phoenix will be, that'll be something else. I but definitely like- one of the ups. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. 
I was going to say, I think one of the best things about this, though, are the variant covers. Uh, we know She-Hulk is definitely going to get featured here. Uh, so there is a Women's History Month cover uh, done by Jen Bartel. Looks beautiful. I love the coloring on this. The uh, greens and purples and the white just mesh perfectly. So I would highly recommend that just because I know She-Hulk is uh, slated for her own show. And then we also have Michael Cho bringing in his very... Uh, his very two-toned uh, Silver Age style over to the Marvel Universe. So we get to see him do a nice duet piece of Ant-Man and Wasp in their classic 1960s costumes. But go ahead. What you got? I was just going to say, it just seems like we've been talking about this return of the Phoenix Force like storyline forever. So, like, is it? are you saying it's finally coming to an end? I don't know if I can say it's finally coming to an end. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me pull up some data on this because I think if I if I caught one of those covers correctly, this is just part four. So obviously, with it being a monthly book, um, it'll be you know f- you know four like we're four months deep into it. Stories are usually typically uh, five and six parters. So yeah, this is part four. Um, I think we've probably got one more month of it. Now, here's the crazy stuff, because I don't know if you've been keeping in touch with this one. I've been following it tangentially. Um, So I think they're making a claim that the Phoenix actually might be Thor's mom. And not just like, oh, because Odin loves to sleep around. No, like this might actually be his mother mother. So like, like, take that, yeah, take that Viking history. (laughs) (laughs) So there's going to be some crazy changes. And then obviously at the end of this, you know, the Phoenix has the ability to change reality, uh, wash away what doesn't work in favor of what should work. And I think this is what's probably going to lead us to why we have the uh, uh, Squadron Supreme event that'll be happening where the Squadron Supreme have been the Marvel Universe's premier go-to heroes in a world without Avengers, a.k.a. the newest Heroes Reborn. If you could throw one Squadron Supreme character onto the Avengers, who which one of the characters would you want it to be? Well, that's tough. I've seen Nighthawk, uh, in, you know, in the earliest iterations, be played the best. Um, when John Hickman was writing the Avengers, uh, he made Hyperion basically just be Kingdom Come Superman and yeah. travel with the Avengers, which was fun. Um, so I guess. Obviously, I'm a Green Lantern fan, so I want to see something with Dr. Spectrum. I want to see him uh, be a worthwhile character. You know, maybe you play it up as he is just here's Hal Jordan in the Marvel Universe, or you play it up with the fact that here's a power source that controls the man while the man tries to control the power. Um, so <laughs> I think it's that, time for <laughs> good. You know, you know what that made me think? Because because uh, <laughs> you remember when Janice Bell uh, was trampsing around as as uh, Captain Marvel, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you had Carol take away the Captain Marvel name from from Monica Rambo, and then you had Janice Vell come in and take the name of Photon away from Monica Rambo. If you had Doctor Spectrum come in and be like, "Hey, you can't call yourself Spectrum. Like that's my thing. <laughs> She's gonna have to get another name again altogether." Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually. We'll, we'll talk about that more as we do our 101, but yeah, it's it's like Monica is she's basically renaming the Marvel Universe because everybody's like, that's a pretty cool name. I think I want it. 
Yeah, so definitely some some features there. <laughs> All right, but uh, regardless of what we may think of the uh, this story, at least it's making those beautiful variant covers. Uh, there's actually another one in case you are still collecting the Alex Ross Timeless variant covers. Uh, issue 43 will feature the classic Vision, and then there's one more in case you wanted it. Uh, Javier Garan will feature his. Uh, uh, designed variants. So we get to see Shang-Chi, Zabu, and Shana the She-Devil as potential Phoenix bearers. So in case you didn't want it, it's still there anyways. <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry. Okay, no, wait, sorry. Okay, and then obviously you could get the, uh, the Alex Ross Timeless sketch cover variant, uh, but I wouldn't recommend it. Those are going to be crazy insanely priced <laughs> all right so getting out of the avengers and moving along daredevil issue 26 gets a second printing which features a beautiful rendering of electra as daredevil i love the uh, i love the attention to detail in her weapons so electra is famous for using her size but as her as her being daredevil, she obviously can't kill people. So if you actually look at her size, you can see that the tips have been uh, mm. desharpened, uh, flattened out. So these are actually more in tune with like daredevil's scrima sticks and Electra's size being merged together. So I mm-hmm. thought that was so cool. And I love that. Uh, I think this is Ryan Stegman art. So I love the fact that he did that as well. Uh, Demon Days X-Men will get a one-shot. And this is a big one because I've been hearing about this writer-artist, Peach Momoko. Um, I don't know much about them, but I've, I've, I know there's definitely a big push here. So if you want to see, um, I think the main character feature will be, oh, this is tough because is it Psylocke or is it Betsy Bratton? Because it could be one or the other. Um, yeah, because well, let's just give you the full thing. Because, so, a wandering sword. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go you, you go go with the yeah, description. So, uh, so, with the description here, so uh, Peach Momoko is one of the Stormbreakers, which is going to be one of the uh, newest featured artists coming out of uh, Marvel Comics. So, the solicit says a wandering swordswoman with a psychic blade arrives at a village that's being targeted by demons. One demon is black and white with a terrifying red tongue, and another may be the strongest demon there is. In the stunning kickoff issue of the Prestige Quarterly Story, you'll see a revolutionary reimagining of the Marvel Universe that could only come from Peach Momoko. Ready your katana and enter a mysterious world of demons, monsters, mutants, and magic. Book one of five of the Demon Days saga. So my guess is this is probably Betty uh, Badrick. Oh my god, I can't think of their name. Betsy Betsy Badrick. Uh, So I think that's probably going to be her. Yeah. Uh, traveling through this story arc because I thought then, uh, I thought okay. I thought Betsy Braddock went back to her English body and then the the what was it her name Katana, yeah Kwanin yeah Kwanin yeah, took Kwanin. over her cl- yeah um, yes but keep in mind this story is probably like a a what if style you oh, okay. know. Uh, so it's just, you know, like, hey, you know, they want to reimagine the Marvel Universe. Uh, this definitely fits in line with Peach's art style. Definitely go for it. So uh, if you want to see a mystical uh, Asian-influenced uh, Marvel Universe, definitely check these out. Um, I love the fact that the black and white uh, demon with the red tongue is definitely Venom. Um, 
And I'm trying to think, I guess, and then another may be the strongest demon there is. So maybe we're going to see a Hulk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could be exciting. Uh, so definitely check that out. I, I really have a good feeling about that one. I know Marvel's definitely touting it out themselves. So uh, definitely, you know, give it a shot. Uh, plenty of variant covers to choose from. I always prefer to stick with the original artist one, but definitely see what's out there. Hellions issue 10 will be out. King in black Captain America will be out. So if you want to see how Steve Rogers, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes deal with these crazy symbiotes storming earth, definitely check this one out. Uh, what else do we have? Then, oh, that's got quite a few variants. Then King and Black Gwenum versus Carnage issue three will be out, tying into the big King and Black story arc as well. King and Black Handbook number one will be out. It's weird. I, this is how much of a nerd I can tell I am. I'm excited about a handbook coming out. <laughs> I mean, handbooks are great. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Finally, some respect. Uh, <laughs> You know, but it's funny because so the only reason I really got into King and Black is because of death metal. I don't know. Like at first I was like, man, I don't really care for this. Like, you know, like I don't need DC Anthrax and Metallica comics. But as I, you know, as as death metal moved on, it clearly was like, oh, yeah, this is the big crisis. This is the big changing of the guard. Um, and it's funny because death metal did a guidebook or a handbook as well but it really wasn't it was just like here's stories that we're going to staple together and call it a book so they tricked me but it was too late because i already got it so i was like <laughs> you bastards uh but now we have a king and black handbook coming and i hope they don't do that to me uh but my my uh my, my problem with well no just my i can't think of the word uh uh, just the split sharing of the two universes is like, I just have to get them both. So this is a book that I'm definitely going to be suckered into getting. So we <laughs> shall see what it is. <laughs> uh, but the Thunderbolts will be tying into King and black as well. Issue three of their mini series is coming out by Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, and now this is going to be a big one, folks. I highly recommend if you haven't already gotten one, get one. King and Black, Wiccan, and Hulkling one-shot. So this is going to be a big one. Uh, Tinny Howard will be taking the next step with Billy and Hulkling as they are basically the uh, the uh, emperors of space. So this is going to be some wild stuff because they married in Empire and uh, Hulkling. I can't think of his name. What was his uh, secret identity name? Teddy. There we go. Teddy. It was just right there. So Teddy is the be all end all when it comes to stuff. So let's check out this uh, solicit. No time to celebrate. Wiccan and Hulkling are freshly off the marriage altar and overdue for a proper celebration. So when the Shi'ar invite them for an all-expenses-paid vacation at their glitziest beach resort, you know Wiccan's already got their bags packed. But they'll have to hold the champagne because Noel and his symbiote army are expanding across the galaxy. Tinny Howard and Luciano Vecito... Vishio, uh, give everyone's favorite Young Avengers a honeymoon to die for. So I know from the solicit it sounds kind of goofy, um, but I do know, like, in the next issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, they're going to be setting up the, like, this is where all of sta space will, like, align and come to whatever the next story is going to be. So I definitely think this is going to have a hand in that. So I'd say definitely check it out. And definitely goes into uh, what we talked about last week, trying to figure out where it is they were at, the two of them were at. 
Yeah, so this will this will definitely be uh, something else. Uh, let's see, Power Pack issue four will be out. Runaways issue thirty four will be out, and I just have to say much love to Chris Anka for this cover because we finally see the chonky short hairy wolverine that we all forgot about that's right yes hugh jackman is dreamy but wolverine (laughs) wolverine is something else too so i'm glad to to have this cover existing just so people can be reminded of what wolverine used to look like. that's a runaways book i assume that's supposed to be princess powerful um i forget what her real name is but um she's definitely grown up in in the in the years uh through runaways then if she's taller than Wolverine now. Yeah, yeah, no, they're starting to age up their characters, which I always find funny because it's like I remember when Kitty Pride was a, you know, bratty young girl and then Wolverine trained her. Now she's a grown woman. Then yep. Jubilee was the next bratty young girl and now she's a grown woman. She was even uh, you know, she was a a, a baby mama to uh to a child and, and it's funny to see these characters grow up yet wolverine is still the same age <laughs> i mean he's got again, that healing factor he at least does yeah exactly that's that's a good reason to explain <laughs> and he you know uh, last last time i was reading x-men comics he was training armor so i wonder if she's now a grown woman <laughs> yeah right she's gonna be uh she's often doing her own job now <laughs> all right well, let's see let's get to the collected editions uh, Amazing Spider-Man by, by Nick Spencer, Volume 11, Last Remains, will be out. Uh, this contains issues from the never-ending story where Nick Spencer teases us about one more day and one more moment in time. I'm tired of it, so hurry up, Nick. Uh, <laughs> Captain America Epic Collection, Volume 1, Captain America Lives Again, will be reprinted. Um, I highly recommend this one. If you think you know Captain America then read these issues and really find out if you agree or not. Uh, this is when Stan and Jack decided, hey, let's bring the guy back and let's give him his own adventures. And this definitely set up the uh, the man out of time. So they're great classic stories. And I'm glad to see that book is collected again. Dr. Doom Volume 2 by Christopher Cantwell and Salvador LaRocca is out. Amazing story and beautiful art. It doesn't get better than that. Maestro, Symphony, and a Gamma Key. Uh, Peter David continues the milking of Maestro, so if you want to see what's going on with that, check it out as well. Savage Avengers, the team that shouldn't be but is, Volume 3, Enter the Dragon, will be out. X of Swords is finally collected in a hardcover. I think this book has almost 50 comics in it. Like the fact that they didn't call it an omnibus is insane. Um, I'll admit I did not have the stamina to read all the parts of X of swords. Uh, (laughs) We'll have to go to, we'll have to go to Rafa for that because I think he managed to pull it off. Um, From what I did read, I enjoyed. Um, I do like the fact that Hickman and company do a great job of saying, okay, if I want to read just X factor, I can read just X factor. It'll tie into the big story, but it'll keep the plot lines going. Um, Now, if I want to read everything, then I get a nice tapestry of everything. So I just love the fact that they're really doing awesome with that. And just to round it out, X-Men Epic Collection Volume 7, The Fate of the Phoenix. This collects Chris Claremont's and John Byrne's famous Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix saga, as it came to a a mind-blowing conclusion. So that's what's going to be on your spinner racks this week. That's uh, a pretty full spinner rack. So uh, thanks for that. Let's get right into talking about WandaVision Episode 8, 
the pen ultimate episode previously on um <laughs> what'd you think of this episode i mean we came off of last week's episode enjoying the show still but just thinking no it wasn't much of an episode uh this one <laughs> was very much all flashbacks or even if you want to call it a clip episode like you gotta got a clip episode from uh stuff that we episode four about. i think right well i mean uh, he, yeah well, you got some stuff from episode four but like we got the we got the the origin quote unquote origin of agatha we got um a more fleshed out origin for wanda and how she is so powerful now like that was the whole thing is agatha being a witch who uh stole power from the rest of the witches in her coven back during the salem uh, witch trials in 18 blah 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 uh as we saw in the episode um even her mother she wants to know how it is that wanda is such a powerful witch who can create a whole illusion take over a whole town use puppetry uh transmutation it, you know all these things at a whim when it took her years of learning and studying just to change a, a fly, a horse fly, into a, a bird kind of thing. Like she is amazed yeah, like- by the the ability that Wanda possesses. Uh and then also amazed that there are certain things that she just doesn't even know. Like the runes. Uh if you walk into a, a you know a room that is has is covered in runes that only the witch who put the runes up can do magic, not any any other uh uh, being magic user. No, it was, it was definitely. So I guess for me, for the episode, because you're right. Like last episode, it was like, okay, this was good. Uh, I think like that one, I think that's where our comic bookness kind of was like, okay, well it confirmed what we already knew. So we felt good watching it. Uh, this last one, I, I guess for me. So, and again, this is where I have to turn off my comic book fan because as I know the origins of Wanda Maximoff from the comics, you know, I look at those things and I, I try to compare whatnot. So I, I definitely turned off my comic book brain and I just absorbed the, uh, the episode. Um, it was a good episode. I mean, like it really tugs at your heartstrings. I feel so bad for Wanda because of all the just torment that she goes through for her life. Uh, so that was crazy to see. Um, you know, it was interesting to see, uh, I can't think of her her first name, but Han. Oh, uh, Han. Is it Jennifer Han? Catherine. What was it? Catherine. There we go. Catherine Han. Uh, it was very interesting to see her play a villain, you know? And I mean, whether or not, you know, I mean, because obviously the comic book hero, Agatha, is a hero. Uh, so maybe she will be a hero. Maybe she won't. We'll see. But uh, it was really interesting, though, to see the actress play the part of the villain uh, and then just kind of learn all the new things that came about it. So... I enjoyed the episode more than last episode. Um, and it did a good job of setting me up for excitement for the next episode. Um, and then from the comic book side of things, there were two major scenes that I loved that I'm so glad that I got to see on the screen. So I'm super excited about that. And I don't know if we should talk about them now or if we'll wait for as we go through our Easter eggs. <laughs> uh, no, let's go ahead and talk about it now. I assume you're talking about our mid credit scene. Well, that's definitely one of them. So, yes, at the uh, the mid credit scene when we see 
um, the vision's body be rebuilt and then repowered by the, uh, Wanda magic, the, the emerald hues that come out, or sorry, not emerald, but the, uh, scarlet hues that came off the drone, uh, that's used to power up the next vision. And then we see him in a basically vision in a colorless version of himself. So that's where he appears all white. Uh, I thought that was cool because I do remember during the vision quest and I can't remember the issue number, but you you were just sharing some images there where the cover homages the first appearance of the vision, uh, but in his all new white costume. So that was exciting to see that. Um, I know there had been hints to it. Like when you see vision die, quote unquote in infinity war, mm-hmm. like he did start losing color. So it was definitely hinted at there. And, I love to buy these bootleg Lego figures. So they were already selling an all white vision, you know, so it's like, <laughs> Oh, it's probably going to happen. This is awesome. So to finally see it was really cool. And then the second one uh, was just the fact that when Wanda does go into the sword facility and they do show her like, here you go, here's the vision. And he's all disassembled and laid out. I was just blown away by that because it, like that was an epic, like, I had never read Vision Quest until probably like maybe six months ago, but I had always known of that image. So it was amazing to have read it and now see it on the screen. So, so those two were just awesome. According to a thing that I, I look, I'm looking at is that, that that scene where the body is disassembled like that is directly out of West Coast Avengers 43 going into 44. Yep, that is correct. You yeah. got Mockingbird so just, like showing um, Wanda the vision's body all disassembled yep. like that. So that's interesting. Because like, sadly, Mockingbird, yeah. Mockingbird is the reason why. <laughs> uh, because, okay, if you, if you're, if you're interested, I can give you a, I'll start the clock for five minutes. Let me see if I can do this in five minutes. Uh, but Go. Avengers West coast, basically Hawkeye is tired of playing second fiddle. So he opens up his own Avengers shop over on the West coast side of things. Obviously Mockingbird goes with him because that's her husband. As the adventures continue, Hawkeye is just an uh, just a jerk. Let's put it plain and simple. Uh, he's pushing Bobby away, and things are going horrible. She is brutally attacked by an evil version of the Phantom Rider uh, to the point where she's like practically raped. So at one point, she does uh, she's able to challenge the Phantom Rider, which leads to him dying. So Hawkeye couldn't forgive her for that, so they basically split up. A rogue team of, well, a team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents comes to her and is basically like, look, you were a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent before you were a superhero. We need your help. So they convince her to help them make protocols for how could they break into the Avengers facility? How could they distract the Avengers? How could they shut them down if need be? So she helps them because this is a just-in-case emergency-style situation. But as it turns out, this is not S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is a world government organization. So all the nations came together because they honestly wanted to shut down the vision. So they have Mockingbird help set up the plans. She sets it up thinking that it's just in case of an emergency. Uh, The team actually winds up using the plans to distract the Avengers, infiltrate their facility, kidnap the vision and disassemble and shut him down. So once Mockingbird puts the pieces together, she goes to the Avengers and she has to be the one to tell them the sad news. And she's the one who actually winds up taking Wanda to the facility to see her disassembled husband. Clock me. Did I do it? (laughs) You you get it in under two minutes. 
Hey, take that, BuzzFeed. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we got to see, and that's a very important scene in WandaVision because what we saw previously that hey, Director Hayward showed us was that Wanda busted into the S.W.O.R.D. facility and stole the body of the Vision and then went straight to Westview. However, what we see in reality is that she walked into his, his uh, office. He was like, hey, this is what you wanted to see. He, she she floats down to the body, like tries to sense if Vision is is inside of there. Because you got you got to remember, this is her coming back after five years. Like the last thing she saw was you know Thanos taking the the Mind Stone out of Vision's head, and then she blipped away. So she comes back and she wants to see the body of of her husband because I'm I'm guessing they got married at some point uh, between. Civil War and Infinity War, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they, uh, they would, they would be. He lied. He he showed footage to uh, Monica and and Jimmy, sh- saying that he went in there and uh, she went in there and stole the body, but she didn't. We now know that he kept the body, and I guess within the the week time span that it was that scene and. The scene of seeing the white vision body, uh, they've repaired the body, put it back together, and turned it white, which I don't understand why they would turn it white, but, or maybe just like when well, the body got put back together, it just turned white on its own because it's still a AI. Well, the thing is, so it's funny because the way the vision gets played out. So technically, uh, now if we go from a comic book standpoint, so he's actually all red. He's an all red body, though yellow and green is his superhero costume that he wears. Um, and we've seen that when it, when he gets, you know, like he can literally take his little diamond hoodie piece off and like, boom, it's a big red head. Um, <clears throat> now when he was disassembled in the West coast Avengers and reassembled, you know, like he literally walked around naked. Like he was just a white body naked. And then the Avengers, well, us agent was like, put some clothes on, be decent, you know, because he's very much trapped in the, uh, you know, crew cut style uh american pie mode and you know so it's like you don't be showing your shame to everybody uh (laughs) but the vision explained it as like in order to keep those pigmentations going that requires energy why expel energy for a non-essential need so i think that's what's going on like i don't think they like spray painted him i just kind of feel like it's like if vision like literally if if he had an on and off switch if you shifted it to off he would just kind of like you'd probably hear that hum power down and you'd see the colors fade from him yeah if you remember from age of ultron when he was created in the mcu the movies he when he first wakes up he is definitely in an all red body like mostly red body like that's that goes along with what you're saying in the comic books uh it's not till he meets up with thor when he's like oh capes okay let me you know like he gets himself a cape he gets a he gets on a costume kind of thing it's not the traditional green and yellow one that we see uh from the comic books but it's it's a close facsimile with uh the version of the marvel universe the Mar- marvel cinematic universe um it's not until obviously wandavision when we get to the spooktacular halloween episode where we get to see a version of that that costume 
So yeah, definitely. Um, so there's 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 a lot of good play with it. I think that's neat. So that's what I'm hoping they they use to explain it. So that'll be kind of interesting to see. Like, okay, how does this play out? We definitely got to see uh, where Wanda gets her sitcom love from. Uh, we see oh, that gosh. her father was uh, selling DVDs in Sokovia, like war stricken Sokovia. Um, uh, he was. She, oh, she she was a big fan of the Dick Dick Van Dyke show, so that's the reason why we started off in the 1950s that we did. Uh, while she was also being held or experimented on at Hydra, she was watching sitcoms there too. So it, it helps it helps uh, paint the the picture that is Wanda. Now, I think one of the biggest changes that we have just from the MCU happens at the Hydra facility because the way that we saw it at the end in the end credit scene of I don't remember what movie it was that we saw Baron Strucker and uh, the the twins. Do you remember? Was that? Oh, was it was it Winter Soldier? I think was it Winter Soldier. I can't remember, uh, but at the end of that, you know, the two of them are inside of cages, but this shows Wanda, you know, walking in a lot more voluntarily into a room to be experimented on while the scepter is also in the room. Now we know that the scepter has the mind stone inside of it. And the mind stone is also what created or brought to life uh, vision. So they already have that connection. She, and I guess as this show, this episode is pointing out that Wanda already had powers. The bomb in the apartment was definitely going to go off, but because of her, her inherent latent, if we want to say mutant say ability it. or say it, it's mutant. <laughs> <laughs> mutant ability or uh, her natural attachment to the the magic in this world is is a, which which is going to be difficult difficult because. Marvel Comics themselves has jumped around with Wanda on whether or not she's all mutant or all magic. Am I incorrect? Oh, you're right. They've uh, they've definitely played with it um, because it's it goes back and forth with is Magneto her daddy or not? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, and the, I use the word daddy because I'm hoping that. Uh, oh my God, I lost his name now. But Mister Mohawk. Oh uh, no no no. Uh, um. Oh, oh, Yondu. I'm hoping Yondu is her daddy at one point. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to go crazy. Let's go full on. But uh, yeah, so no, they, you're, you're definitely right. They've they've jumped back and forth with the idea that she's either tied into the uh, mutant world or she is just able to channel the uh, magics naturally because of, of, of what she is and what she can be. So, so yeah, but it, ag- it's mutant <laughs> Agatha straight up says you did a, a probability hex, which goes goes directly back to her uh, origin or old days of being in in uh, comic books, right? Of Wanda being her her hex bolts, her changing the probability so that her she can yeah, yeah her hex abilities. Um, the Mind Stone essentially amps up her abilities that she already has. It. Uh, it, it presents itself to her and then, you know, makes it so that she's a lot more powerful than she was at that moment or before that moment. Now, my question is, is that what happened when Pietro went in that room? Because obviously he also got powers where they 
because of the Mind Stone? Were they because of Wanda? Did Wanda like essentially share her power to uh, gr- grant him super speed? Because um, I, I would honestly would like to know how that went. And then, yeah, no, that that would be a good scene to show because you know why why magic and speed? You know mm-hmm. they're not normally associated with each other so that would be interesting did wanda bestow it upon him in the mcu and then that's why he's so protective of her you know who knows yeah that's a possibility uh and then uh as we see after she leaves the the sword facility as she go she has a card or an envelope on her seat it's been opened uh, so you have to assume that she'd seen it already. She drives to the city of Westview, which is very much dilapidated and and in a downtrodden way. Uh, obviously, they were hit hard by the the blip. Um, there is a house that we have to presume at this point. Uh, Vision bought for them before he died. Uh, it's not. It hasn't been built yet, but it is a plot, and the foundation is there. Uh, and she has a breakdown. It, she is full on. This was the house she was going to spend her life with, with vision in. And once again, someone close to her, uh, died and her home is gone. Uh, so she uses all of her powers to create a world where she's happy. And it's, it happens to look like sitcoms while building this house. A vision comes out of her. A version of vision. So, in earlier episodes, when we thought that she was using the body, the the dead body, to to as a puppet, we now know that this is a vision that straight straight up came out of her, which makes sense because of the mind stone connection between the two of them. I definitely agree with that. So that makes it real interesting. What is uh what is Hayward really looking for? Uh, yeah. Now that was the other thing. Uh, as we know, when it was Monica's idea to send a drone in there, a Stark drone from the eighties. Uh, Wanda grabbed it out of the air, took it down, took it back out of the hex, threw it back at them and said, keep your, your crap out of, out of my city. Uh, it was imbued with Scarlet, Witch powers. And, uh, that was the, uh, jumpstart they needed to power the new vision back up, uh, using Wanda's powers. I thought the other interesting thing that happened with Agatha is that when she finally figures out what it is that Wanda is, because she's not a quote-unquote classically trained witch, she is what she is calling uh, a master of the chaos magic, a scarlet witch. Now, we saw earlier on when Agatha's mother was trying to take her out, like when she got powerful enough, she got a crown around her head her head that was very much a blue crown in the same shape of the crown that we usually see in the comic books uh wanda wear we even saw it as wanda wore it as a the sokovian fortune teller uh costume in the halloween episode so uh that plus when she was inside the mind stone like the mind stone showed a version of her wearing the crown, uh, kind of a silhouette and her long cape, so to speak. Uh, it, it, she is the one that names her the Scarlet Witch. Agatha names her the Scarlet Witch, which is very important because earlier in the series, you had Hayward make it a point to say that she never had a code name. So we now know that Wanda is Scarlet Witch. 
and it means something different here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was a <clears throat> that was an interesting insertion. I myself, so kind of stepping back, like it was funny because when Wanda is exposed to the Mind Stone and things go yellow and she sees the Scarlet Witch outline approaching her, I just had this like Phoenix vibe. Oh, it <laughs> you very know, much like, has oh. a Phoenix vibe. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I'm very curious, like, is that what this is? Like, there's the the Scarlet Witch is out there, and it's a title and a legacy type of thing. So, I'm very curious to see how they elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, she's definitely she definitely says you're not a thing that's supposed to exist. You're you're a myth. Like, it's it's just something that witches tell other witches. Uh, so, it's the Scarlet Witch was. Uh, essentially a prophecy and, and Wanda is here to fulfill it. Uh, so as we see, Agatha has the twins, you know, uh, hostage, so to speak. We have to find out in the last episode, what is going to happen. And there is a lot to tie up in the this last episode, because last time we saw Monica, she was being confronted by Pietro or as we call, as Agatha called them, Pietro, fake Pietro. Uh, what, I mean, all that, her story has to be um, cleared up. You know, Jimmy and Darcy's story has to be cleared up. Vision's story has to be cleared up. Hayward's story has to be cleared up. And of course, Wanda's story has to be cleared up. Like, there's a lot to be done in the last hour of this show. That's assuming we get a real hour. <laughs> it's assuming we get a real hour. And the the rumor was, and I could have sworn that Feige actually said it, but at this point, I have no idea who said what actually anymore. Uh, Doctor Strange is supposed to show up, or at least he's supposed to tie into WandaVision in some way. So, do we get Doctor Strange, who should be here because this is a very big magical, uh, you know, thing that's happening, and he's supposed to be the Sorcerer Supreme. He's supposed to be protecting the Earth from magic. Uh, I mean, if he's in New York and this is New Jersey, it's not that far away. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, there's a fire going on. Eh, we'll get to it, no problem. <laughs> Come on, Steven. <laughs> uh, what are what are some of the big things that you enjoyed about this episode? So I I I, I enjoyed getting to see um, uh, Agatha's uh, new origin. I enjoyed Wanda's origin. God, it was so it was so heartbreaking, man. I mean that her Sokovian family, like. Props to the actors, props to the writers, because I fell in love with them. I was like, oh, my God, they're just I mean, those kids were so cute. They were so wide eyed and joyful. And when that bomb hit, oh, my God, I I was like, no, I mean, damn, that scene just emotionally latched onto my heart. I was like, wow, this was something else. Um, So going through, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life with Wanda. Uh, Just seeing all that stuff was intense. I do like getting to see, you know, the little bit of courtship there with Wanda and Vision. I thought that was really neat. Um, Going into the letter, though, I don't think that's from um, Vision. I really don't. Like, I, I feel like she probably went into that agency and then all of a sudden when she, you know, when she walked out of there peacefully, I feel like that letter was planted there, you know, because I, she didn't look at it per se. Like, you know, I, it kind of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was just me hoping, but I feel like that was like, Oh, huh, what's this? So she opens it and obviously she follows the trail because 
you know, with that heart and V, you know, she's probably thinking, oh, this is from Vision. Uh, so I, I feel like they set her up to go there. You know, this is probably Hayward and, and Sword. So they set her up to go there. Now, whether or not Sword is evil, I don't think Sword is evil. I just think uh, Haywood is evil and he's controlling it. Uh, one thing I did find interesting, though, was when Wanda does go to the plot, the land plot, and she kind of just has that emotional yell or scream and her mm-hmm. powers manifest. I found it interesting that it was near her heart. Um, like, the obviously, her two hands flare up, but her heart also flares up as well so i'm curious like is that like why her heart you know because that's never been a case so i thought that was very interesting so i mean you know the heart's desire what the heart wants you know those are definitely some big tropes so i'm very curious about that um and I just, I, I like, I, it, it sets up some good stuff, but you're right as you were saying that earlier, where it's like, there's a lot. Like, we did not see Monica this episode. We didn't see Fietro this episode. Uh, and even with Fietro, that is a weird thing. Like, well, okay, so wait a second. Because it kind of sounded like Agatha was like, oh, well, you know, your brother was buried far away, so I couldn't get to his body. Yet, did you get to a body? That happens to look like the actor from X-Men? Or was it just easier to dip into the multiverse and grab that Quicksilver? Like, I don't know. So, I mean, is it like... From from what I understand from what she said in the episode, and I'm not going off anything else. uh, Yes, it was the the real Pietro body was over in Sokovia. uh, Hard to get to. Plus, necromancy is very difficult. So bringing a dead body back to life and the dead body is full of holes. Uh, From what it sounded like, she just created the 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 fake Pietro out of nothing, like just straight up created a, 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 a fake body. Uh, and 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 it was her eyes and ears inside that body. However, that does bring up an interesting question: like, why does the fake body look like the Pietro or Peter from the 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 Fox universe? Uh, is that because I mean, is that just simply above board trolling, or is that mean something more? Like, it, is she tapped into the multiverse and uh, got that image for a reason? Exactly. You know, because I mean, if they if they decide to get like, hey, we really like Evan Peters. All right, cool. You know, then I'll just say he was the kid from the office who got spanked by Michael Scott. Okay, (laughs) I specifically, you know, that. So, I mean, that 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 is uh, Kevin Feige is the real villain. He's so evil. (laughs) He's the real mastermind. It was it was Kevin Feige all along. (laughs) We we need to work on that song. (laughs) I find yeah. something very interesting that uh, what's his name Paul Bettany had for the longest time been like telling people that the big uh, cameo or the big character that's going to show up in the the last episode is going to be someone that he hasn't worked with yet and he is very excited to work with and I, I'm guessing it's going to be him like himself like. Uh, because there's going to be two visions on screen, right? There's going to be the vision that Wanda created, and there's the the vision that is a white suit vision. So at one point, the two of them are going to have to face off against each other, which I assume, if we're going to get the super happy ending, uh, 
the win- the vision that Wanda created, which is a manifestation of the Mind Stone or Mind Stone Power, is going to merge into the White Vision, and we'll get our vision back, like the or Wanda's vision back, I should say. What do you? How do you feel about that? No, I, I definitely see. Um, so it's funny because I remember reading somewhere or or catching something. Uh, they definitely said, you know, whatever they do a Marvel production, they sit down and watch Superman the movie because it captures a lot of things. Um, and, you know, both companies, they homage each other. They steal from each other, all that fun stuff. So I can definitely I, I, I feel we're going to get that Superman three moment with drunk, evil Superman fighting <laughs> hopeless Clark Kent. And so if if Paul Bettany is teasing us that way, like you just said, where it's like, oh, I got to work with me. You know, that's going to be funny because we could see, yeah, the white vision is the evil drunk Superman. And the uh, the the Wanda's memories is the, the, the Clark Kent and the two will clearly merge together and we will get vision back. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm excited because it, it restores a character the mcu i you know i i i'm always up for more heroes i love that the more the merrier um so i i I still have hope that it could be another actor um i i really hope it's uh god i can't think of his name the rookie um just because i want my wonder man yep i just want my wonder man so bad (laughs) um Oh, I, I keep having hopes for that, but I definitely can see that. Yep, exactly what you're talking about. It'll it'll lead to, uh, you know, kind of even what we're going to talk about here in our 101. But I could definitely see it leading to uh, the return of the Vision in the MCU. So I'm I'm that alone is an awesome thing to think about. Well, I can't wait to talk to you about the last episode of WandaVision next week. But let's get right into that 101 of the White Vision. Like, I, I, there's, as you said, there's not much to say there from what we've already said. But uh, being introduced in what year was the West Coast Avengers run? Oh, gosh. It was either 87 or 86 um, when that did happen. And that's, that's a I creation of John Burns. Yes. So let's see. Uh, here we go. Okay. So Vision Quest ran through Avengers West Coast, or sorry, West Coast Avengers, because the book did go both ways. <laughs> so Vision Quest takes place in West Coast Avengers issues 40 through, 42 through 45 back in March, June of 89. So that's when that happened. And uh, John Byrne was the writer penciler of that one. And basically, he took it upon himself because he didn't like the idea that the Vision was the golden age human torch. Uh, he felt that both characters should be separated. That way we get more instead of just absorbed. Uh, so that's kind of the origins behind the story. Uh, sadly, it also led to the uh, destruction of the, 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 the baby twins that they had and, and visions personality. But yeah, that's where that comes from the story arc there. And I mean, how long did he last in the white suit? Um, well, long enough to get a video game. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, <clears throat> he makes it all the way up to, because he kept that white costume and it, it, it lasted all the way till basically right around, you know, 1993. So when we have the uh, first appearance of a new character, anti-vision, uh, in February of 93, that brings us to the, um, a variation of the green, yellow and red costume. 
Um, but yeah, so that suit lasted a good four, four or five years. Wow. Okay. Uh, what was, was any of his powers different as the white suit vent, vent, uh, vision? Um, I would say if anything, the powers should be exactly the same because the body is rebuilt. Um, <clears throat> the inhibitions would probably be wider just because this newly reformed white vision doesn't have the mind memories or emotions that he previously had. So he might not feel as compelled to either not do or do something as he would have felt before. And this is a direct result of him losing the life stone, right? That's what the thing in his head was. Well, so the in the comics, that gem in his head is just a it's a solar crystal. Oh, so it's basically crystal, what okay. helps power. Yeah. So it's you know it's it could be considered like oh that's his memory bank or whatnot. Um, but it's you know it's, it's definitely it's not an Infinity Stone. It's not an Infinity Stone. It's it's not a Marvel relic or something of that fact. It's just either a power source or maybe a fancy you know. USB memory stick. If vision <laughs> runs off USB, <laughs> well, like or, or like the idea of a solar panel, like it, it absorbs yeah. solar energy and and powers the rest of his body. Like I get that. Um, is is there any important stories that we need to know about with uh the white suit venom or venom? God damn it, white suit vision. <laughs> Well, so I'd say definitely check out his origin, the Vision Quest. Um, <clears throat> then follow up with his. Um, then follow up with the next story, uh, Darker Than Scarlet. So that's the one that really shows Wanda just losing it, renouncing her humanity and embracing evil because she's tired of it. She's tired of a whole life where she's done nothing but help people. And in the end, she has lost everything. Uh, so definitely we could try to see some of the... Uh, remarks there like how does a vision who knows that his wife but doesn't really have feelings because he doesn't have feelings how does he react to that so i'd say check those out then <clears throat> you know obviously there's going to be plenty of stories that will that will entail but i would recommend to check out jump towards the end of the white vision quote unquote and i would say check out avengers 359 through 363 uh, that's where we get this idea of, and we'll go into further detail, but where the anti-vision is created as a character and he helps to restoring the vision, at least in terms of pigmentation. And then there is a vision miniseries back in 1994. Uh, it's a four issue miniseries and good luck finding it right now because everybody in the secondary market is buying it. But this is definitely the storyline that brings vision to actually gaining the brain patterns of a recently deceased scientist by the name of, let me see if I can find him again, um, Alex Lipton. So that might be a name to start researching right now. And that happens in Avengers Spotlight issue 40. But so he gains those brain patterns. And then eventually the Simon Williams brain patterns start to reemerge. So luckily some of his former memory and emotions come back and that is basically the Vision 1 through 4 miniseries that restores him wholly, internally, and then in a brand new body, probably mixed with his older pieces as well. So you know how in uh, comic books, after the movies did uh, the black suit again, like for Spider-Man, the, the, the symbiote suit, 
we 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 got Spider-Man comic books with him having the symbiote suit again. Do you think we'll be getting Vision in the Avenger comics or Marvel current Marvel comics in the white suit again? I can definitely say so. Um, just because, like, when the Vision was premiered in Age of Ultron in that movie, they did a redesign of his costume that was, I like to call it, busy looking. Like, there's definitely a lot more art to it. Um, and so we, we saw the the Marvel Now era of comics kind of adapt to that. So that was the costume you'll see in the Tom King Vision series. Uh, so I could definitely see them being like, hey, let's throw back to a, you know, a all white out vision costume. You know, I could definitely see that happening, which I think the colorist will appreciate because that'll be pretty easy <laughs> to draw <laughs> to continue with. <laughs> and then he'll team up with Moon Knight and they'll do uh, adventures together. <laughs> there you go. The the night owls. <laughs> now let's get into the main event, so to speak. Uh, in episode seven, we saw the debut of. Monica Rambeau's powers. Uh, now, in the comic books, we have known her as Captain Marvel herself, Photon, and now, most recently, Spectrum. Uh, where, where is, uh, what is her creation date? All right, so we got to travel back to, and this is pretty wild. Um, her first appearance is in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Issue 16. Uh, so that has a cover date of, I know it's 19, here we go, October of 1982. So she's been with us for a good chunk of time. Wow. Uh, so yeah, she, she makes her first appearance there. Uh, and this was kind of interesting. I I, I feel kind of robbed because I've known of her tangentially through her appearances all throughout the uh, the Avengers. But as I was reading about her origins, she's definitely very water-based. Um, so she was born and raised in New Orleans. Um, her, she had her parents, Frank and Maria. Um, if I remember correctly, let's see here. Her mother was a seamstress and her father was a firefighter. Uh, so she definitely kind of had, you know, humble origins and very law oriented. Uh, this definitely led to her becoming a Lieutenant in the new Orleans Harbor patrol. So she's very much water-based but yet in the movies they're gonna have her air-based you know with her being part of the whole air force and all that stuff do more towards carol's origins as opposed to her own Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of after learning all that i'm kind of bummed you know it's kind of like oh that would have been neat if they had if they had kept that side to her because that's going to play off very big in her uh in her adventures in her story here when we start really talking about her and uh Looking to correct myself, a list of of aliases that she's had in the past is not just Captain Marvel, but also Daystar, the Lady of Light, Pulsar, and Sun Goddess. So she has definitely gone through a lot of different aliases, different code names, so to speak. Uh, well, I'd as- say some of those are probably. I, I see the, the the page you're looking at. I would definitely say those are just kind of like, oh, you know, it's the Sun God. Like somebody Uh-oh. said it once. They're like, okay. oh, let's give it definitely a, 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 a shout out. But no, her, her definite names were, and it's funny learning the history. Um, it's kind of a joke to it in the fact that sometimes she picks the names and sometimes the names get stolen from her. So uh, her first appearance, Amazing Spider-Man number, or Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16. Uh, she's investigating basically this group of people that are trying to build a big mass weapon of destruction. Uh, turns out that it's powered by... Uh, let's see how they use the uh, phrase here. Um, 
extra dimensional energy. So she winds up being exposed to the energy and then gaining her light based powers. So it's actually the news media that dubs her Captain Marvel, which I found interesting because she really doesn't have any ties to uh, the Cree or Captain Marvel. She just winds up picking the name uh, or what actually winds up being uh, given the name. And so she's kind of unsure about it. So she winds up traveling from New or or from yeah New Orleans to New York, uh, trying to get some help with her abilities, which leads her to Peter Parker and Tony Stark. Uh, You know, at first they do the classical trope of oh no, here comes a bad evil menace, and they fight, and then they realize oh it's you know a young woman who needs help with her abilities. So they definitely help train her out. Uh, Ben Grimm, aka the Thing, is actually the one who is like who explains the, the, uh, um, whatchamacallit, the name that is given to her. He's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Captain Marvell was a Cree hero. Uh, but you know, he tells her this is where she kind of gets the blessing because at this time, Captain Marvell himself has passed. He's like, ah, you know, Marvell wouldn't mind. I probably ain't the only thing in the world either. That, that's how <laughs> the thing sounds. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, so now she's got the full on blessing and she gets to be Captain Marvel. Uh, she holds on the title for quite a while. So what she's created in 82 and then it takes us all the way until June of 96 when she finally becomes Photon. Uh, and this is because one of your favorite characters, Gennis Vell, uh, he is born. And I always forget. I don't know if he's like he's kind of almost like a clone child of Marvel. of Captain Marvel, the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two wind up meeting and she's like, you know what? You should be Captain Marvel. That's your father's name. Continue the legacy. And she becomes Photon. Uh, so now she's got that name and that's how I originally had met her. So she had been photon all the way until August of 2005, uh, because in an issue of new Thunderbolts, she winds up running into Guinness Vale again. And this time he's been calling himself photon. <laughs> and she's like, Fine. Take that name to I'll become Pulsar. So now she's Pulsar and that lasts until November of 2013 when she's gotten a huge power upgrade. So she decides to call herself Spectrum and that will last until the cable company decides to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> go evil and take her on. Uh, but currently she is known as Spectrum and that all began in Mighty Avengers number one back in November of 2013. Yeah, I remember the second time. I, I didn't realize it was Gennisville who took her name the first time, but the second time when he takes the name of Photon, uh, which is what I mentioned earlier, uh, I do think there is a conversation there where she's like, wait, you already took my first name of Captain Marvel. You want to take my second name? He's like, well, it makes more sense for me. It goes closer to my powers. And she's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, speaking of white little alien. Yeah. Speaking of powers. We have an energy form. Due to the bombardment of extra-dimensional energies, Monica can transform herself into a form of energy within the electromagnetic spectrum. Among the many energy forms she has assumed and is able to control are gamma gamma rays, X-rays, ultraviolet radiation, visible light, electricity, infrared radiation, microwaves, and radio waves. She apparently accomplished this transformation by mentally shunting the matter of her body 
body into the dimension from which she draws her energy and replacing it with a corresponding amount of energy. Her mind remains in the dimension to control the energy parcel that has taken the place of her body. By assuming an energy form, she gains all the energy's properties. Monica is apparently unlimited by the amount of time that she can remain in her energy form. She can seemingly only transform herself into one wavelength of energy at a time, but she can transform between one energy state and another in a fraction of a second. As noted above, the limited the limit of the the limit to the amount of energy she is she can transmit through her body at a given time is not known. Extensive energy transformation and manip- manipulation can be physically taxing once she returns to physical form. Uh, appearance alteration, flight, superhuman speed, intangibility, invisibility, energy duplication, energy absorption, energy blast, hypercosmic awareness. Really, hypercosmic awareness. Yeah, and identity. Well, because memory. now with her, yeah, with her having ties to being a, oh, I just had the proper word in my head, but with her being a light-based being, mm-hmm. uh, that puts her more in cosmic awareness, cosmic attunity. So, yeah, she's she's got uh, galactic sense is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of makes sense on if they decide to keep with the whole energy form. Uh, idea of why she was able to make it through the hex the hex bubble uh as she would have changed her body or put her body into the other dimension while uh keeping her energy form the energy was able to pass through on on, you know and and making it so that she could fight wanda or at least keep uh, uh up with her so to speak yeah. No, it's definitely like I, I hope that she had powers before. Like I, I really hope they don't try to say that Wanda was her power giver. I hope that they said that she has powers before and that that because it makes sense, like obviously with the barrier being light, you know, and her being able to go through it, I hope that kind of awoken her abilities. Um and that's why she's able to to phase in and out of it, you know bombarded through it as a photon based being. So that definitely ties into it. So I'll be curious. I hope they keep it that way, that it was her, uh, her powers before Wanda's hex. So was it after the Ben Grimm said that it was okay for her to use the, the Captain Marvel name that she adapted the Captain Marvel star, even though it was on the white and black suit, as opposed to a red and blue suit. So I, I I haven't read the issue myself, but I would definitely say um, because pretty early on she did have that the whole black and white costume with the little star symbol throwback. Um, so I'd probably say that once she was given the name Captain Marvel and once Ben Grimm explained the history to her, I think she probably would have designed it into the costume out of respect for Captain Marvel. So I'd say definitely that's probably why she has that connection through through the learning of it. Okay, cool. Um, I honestly have not, other than those issues of uh, with Janice Vell, uh, I, I can't think of any stories that I know off the top of my head uh, or that I've read. What What do you have for Monica? Well, Rebell? so for my own personal experience, I, I definitely know of her through um, Avengers Volume 3. I remember her popping in and out of there. Uh, I thought she was a cool character, you know, the light-based abilities. Obviously, as a Green Lantern fan, that that's cool. Um, 
one of my favorite moments of her is in Avengers JLA, JLA Avengers. Uh, I thought it was just such a neat um, uh, symmetry. So when Kyle is realizing he's running low on power, so he charges his ring off a cosmic cube and then becomes a like uh, platinum lantern looking thing. Mm hmm. So then Monica's like, okay. So she manages to like, actually, I think she did it first. She absorbs Green Lantern's energy, and then she kind of becomes like a Green Lantern Captain Marvel. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, I just thought that was really neat how she could absorb her powers that way. Um, but if you're looking for great stories of her, like I said, I have a fondness for Avengers Volume 3 by, Bur- by Busek and Perez. But... Luckily, uh, since her her creators are Roger Stern and John Romita Jr., and this is John Romita Jr. art before what we've come to know it as, <laughs> so it might be worthwhile. Um, but I would definitely say Roger Stern had an amazing run on Spider-Man and the Avengers. Um, but I would definitely say uh, when Roger Stern was writing the Avengers, she got to be part of some amazing history. So she actually was in both uh, Marvel superheroes, secret wars one and two. So she's gone up against the cosmic uh, disaster known as the beyonder. Uh, she was there when they found the Jean gray cocoon. So that was part of the events that led to the changing of the, uh, dark Phoenix saga. Uh, she was also part of the team that had to regain the Avengers mansion after Baron Zemo jr. And his new masters of evil, uh, took and destroyed the Avengers mansion and just beat the living hell out of the Avengers. So she was part of the team that came back and took the mansion. Um, she stood up to Atuma, the Grandmaster, and Kang, the Conqueror. Uh, she's actually been one of the leaders, the Avenger chairman. So that's a huge thing. So she's definitely proven herself time and time again. Um, so her Captain Marvel era is just amazing. Uh, it's just such a shame that when the title got taken from her, she kind of got resorted to a uh, secondary uh, character. But even then, once the Avengers came back after the whole heroes returned, uh, she got to work in some great stuff there. So there's parts where she was a big moment in the maximum security event. And also the, um, let me see, what was that one called? Um, and I know I didn't buy it, <laughs> but there was a uh, Avengers arc where she teams up with Quasar, Living Lightning, and they basically kind of set up Avengers far out space. So I'll have to, I'll have to see if that title comes up to me. Um, but in her modern Avengers, you could definitely modern adventures. Uh, you can definitely pick her up in when they did the short lived Marvel's Marvel divas series. So it was basically kind of a, uh, sex in the city for the Marvel universe. Uh, so <laughs> something there uh and that was kind of just a fun gathering of superheroic adventures um let's see what else was there uh well one that i thought i mean i know i haven't read it but uh i know has done a lot for her more modern day uh adventures and storyline would be ultimates right uh to me ultimates was was the avengers team from the ultimate universe the marvel ultimate universe i understand that once they merged the ultimate universe and the 616 universe 
uh, a new team called calling themselves the multi- Ultimates uh, popped in. I didn't read the book, but it did seem like it was a a team made up of of pretty big characters. Um, uh, as a I see here, uh, the current members are Black Panther, Blue Marvel, Captain Marvel, Ms. America, Spectrum, and is their team leader is Ms. Ms. America, which is America Chavez. Yeah, so they um they're an interesting team. So if you actually want to see their origins, go back to the previous volume of Mighty Avengers. Uh Luke Cage assembled that team and and they were all together. Uh they disbanded um after oh, I forget what event it was, but they disbanded but then they were revamped as the Ultimates. And during the time as Mighty Avengers and Ultimates, that's when Monica started to uh, form a relationship with the Blue Marvel. So they were hinting at them being a very power couple of the uh, Marvel Universe. I mean, I dig it. I think, that, like I've said in the past, Blue Marvel is going to be a very interesting character that they bring into uh, the MCU when they finally decide to bring him into the MCU. So I, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely that's the that seems to be the rundown on the history of Monica Rambeau in the Marvel Universe. I only see them doing more with her from this point on. Uh, she's obviously a big hit in the TV show and uh, was set up way back in the Captain Marvel movie uh, as the young girl that she was. Uh, so I, I'm all for it. I, whether or not they they revamp Sword in the comic books is, uh, I think, something that we're going to see going forward after this show. Yeah, no, definitely. She's got a, a wide open future, so it's going to be very exciting to see what they do with her. Um, I'm very hopeful and excited. Um, you know, both all these characters, actually, there's a lot of great potential for them to go forward after this uh, season, because the question is, will we maybe get another season of WandaVision or, or not? Uh, but there's definitely a lot for them to do. Uh, before we, we we do finish up some stuff, so there's two big ones, and good luck to you finders if you're going to try to get it. Um, <clears throat> back in November of 89, they did a Captain Marvel one-shot. Um, so this is definitely like one of the premier comics that everybody's trying to get of her. Uh, and the reason why this is even more spectacular is the late, great Dwayne McDuffie wrote wow. this one. Uh, and it has beautiful art by Mark Bright, a.k.a. M.D. Bright, a.k.a. Doc. Uh, he's one of my favorite artists. Uh, he was an artist on the uh, early 90s Hal Jordan Green Lantern adventure. So I love his art. So it's exciting to see that there. Um, and then these two gentlemen rejoined again in February of 94 to make an ep- an issue two which was actually sold as an issue one. <laughs> uh, but that was pretty cool to get them to come back. And and so those two have been the uh, big issues that everybody's trying to get because that really spoke more towards Monica's growth as a character. Um, so if you can find those, definitely pick them up. Uh, but if you can't, that's okay. Luckily, Marvel has created a one-stop shop book for you. It is called Captain Mar- Captain Marvel Monica Rambeau, and this will actually contain her first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16. Uh, two major issues of Avengers issues 279 and 277 and 270, sorry, 227 and 279. Uh, so that's probably her joining and then eventually becoming the chairperson. Uh, a couple of issues of Marvel Team-Up. 
the two one shots that I just mentioned, Avengers Unplugged number five, and then some material from Solo Avengers two and Marvel Fan for forty two and fifty seven. So that's kind of a big smattering of some major moments in her history. Uh, but definitely check out uh, Marvel Divas. Uh, Luke Cage. I want to say that's probably the Marvel Now era of Mighty Avengers. And then, as Mitch mentioned, the Ultimates. I want to say Volume 4 or 5. That would lead to her being part of the major uh, protection force of the Marvel 616 world. Very cool. All right. If you have any more information on white suit venom venom white suit vision or uh monica rambo that you'd like to give to us reach out to me i'm on twitter i'm at mitchipedia g-e-m g-e-m stands for geek elite media chris where can people find you online uh, you can definitely find me on twitter as well i am stuff i should say should being spelled s-h-u-d <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you can also check out uh, some writings that I do. Uh, definitely go to Geek Elite Media's website, geekleadmedia.com. I've got a couple articles over there. And then definitely check out some of my comic book reviews over at aiptcomics.com. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archive episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleadmedia.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash geeklymedia for exclusive material that you can only get on our patron. And whatever podcatcher you use, please rate and review us because it helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.